Hey everybody, welcome back to the AF Playbook Podcast. On this episode, I talked to Sean Collins, who is half of the team that started the Affiliate Summit event that uh, so many of us go to. Um, it was the first show that I went to, and I actually owe a lot of success that I've had to Affiliate Summit just because it gave me the opportunity to get out you know, in front of people and meet people. Um, that's where I started putting on masterminds and um, events and throwing parties and stuff. So I uh, definitely owe a lot to Affiliate Summit, the event, and I think a lot of us do too. So in this episode, I talked to Sean about how he started Affiliate Summit, um, kind of the challenges that he had growing it, how he got the idea. And then we also talk a lot about where he sees the industry going, sort of um, where it came from and what he sees happening in the future and some different areas that uh, entrepreneurs and affiliates can focus on that he thinks are going to be really important. So here's the interview, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Okay, so tell us um, about your background and sort of how you got into internet marketing in the first place. All right, so um, I've been here a while. I got into it back in 1997, and it's about the same time that I, I just stumbled across the Amazon affiliate program because I was just, I was pretty newly married, but not making a whole lot of money. I was working in magazine publishing in New York City and had a, being crushed by just house payments and car, car insurance, student loans. And I was looking to add some income. I just came across the Amazon affiliate program. And I guess this was about summer of 97. And, um, and so I jumped into there and around the same time, about a couple months later, I was looking for a job change, and I I found an ad in the New York Times for a place called MedSite.com where they were looking for a person to run their affiliate program. And so I, I didn't really actually ever take any classes in business or marketing or anything in college. And um, and all I really knew about affiliate marketing was being in the Amazon program for a couple months. But I was able to sort of talk my way into that job, and that was really my entry. I guess I got that job in I think November of 2000 or November of 1997. Very cool. Very cool. So you didn't. So you didn't really know a lot about affiliate marketing before you started that job. Then that it was kind of on the job training. Yeah, well, I guess back then nobody really knew about it. Like <laughs> yeah. Amazon was the only person doing it, only company doing it, and um, and there are certainly no podcasts or blogs or newsletters or even conferences at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, that leads me to my next question: How long did you do that, or how long? before you started or you got the idea for Affiliate Summit? So that was many years later. So I I worked in this this medical book company for a couple of years and I went to a company, internet.com. It used to be sort of a holding company for tons of different internet companies back in the 90s and 2000s. And they had a, a company there called referit.com, mm -hmm. which was the first search engine for affiliate programs. And I was there in 99. Then a year later, I went to clubmom.com, which is now Cafe Mom. And I started their affiliate program in 2000. And around the same time, I managed to get a, I'd been writing for clickz.com. And I got noticed by a, a book publisher. And I got a book deal about managing affiliate programs. Okay. And so I wrote that in 2000. It came out in 2001. And, um, and all at that same time, also, there was a, a conference that came along in 2000 called Affiliate Force. And it was based in Miami. And it would be a, on a boat sailing out through the Caribbean. And I... Um, I was helping out with that. I, I built a pretty good list of affiliate managers from having my book. Mm -hmm. and, and also I was doing some meetups in New York City for affiliate managers starting in 2000. And so I, I was leveraging that to get people to go to this conference. 
And as I was going there, I, I met up with my now partner, Missy Ward. She was helping out some of the travel for it. And what happened basically was over the years, we would give the guy who was running it different ideas on how he thought it could be improved. And he just brushed us off and told us he knew what he was doing. <laughs> so um, we thought they were good ideas. So I guess the last one he ever did was in April of 2003. And a month later, I called up Missy. And we only knew each other from just sort of casually at conferences. And I asked her if she'd want to try to start up a, a new event with me because we thought we had some good ideas that it really just resulted from just very informal discussions at a bar. Yeah. And, and, um, and so that day we went and we registered affiliatesummit.com after we brainstormed some ideas. And, and we just uh, six months later, we had our first one. It was uh, at a free space at a university in New York City. We got it for 200 people. And it was starting the same time as ad tech was that year in New York, and we just um, managed to sell that one out for 200 people and, and just went on from there. Oh, interesting. So what year was that now? That was 2003. 2003, okay. So that was the first one, 200 people. And did you have any idea what to expect with the first one? Were you like, man, are even two people going to come to this? Or did you have a, since you had been in the industry, did you know like, okay, we can at least get some people here? Yeah, we figured the just because a lot of the industry was located in New York at that time, and also just both of us having some connections, we figured we could fill up the room. And it was a cheap ticket; it was seventy-five bucks a person for a full day, and it included lunch and coffee and everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it was something where we just were trying to get the brand out there and hopefully break even. And we we managed to break even there. So we did a, a whole lot of work for I won't say nothing, but um, we got brand out of it, but it didn't make any income on it. And then what was what was the next one you did? Did you do Affiliate Summit West then, or was that, did that come later? Yeah, that was later. So the next one, we, we figured that a lot of people were saying how they liked going on these cruises. So this guy that was doing Affiliate for us, he had one scheduled for the spring out of Miami again, and we decided to do one out of New York up to Nova Scotia. And, um, and the thinking there was that a lot of times when they would sail out of Miami, people were just drinking and hanging out in the deck, and they weren't really going to the sessions or anything. Mm-hmm. So I figured if we went up to Canada, it wasn't really that great of weather. Like, it was misting outside. There wasn't, wasn't really much sun. So people would sort of be stuck going to the conference. Sure. And, um, and so and that worked out. So we, we can only fit 230 people in the spot we had there. But we sold that one out. And, um, and that one was, uh, it didn't really yield a lot of revenue either. And that was a, a whole lot of work and a lot of risk because we had to, generally with conferences, a lot of people registered inside the last month or so. We had to pay for 100% of this conference on the cruise ship for, um, I think it was 60 days out. So we we didn't really have, like at the time, Missy was a single mom and I had, I had a couple kids and all kinds of um, burdens financially. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really have any money to spend. So we we were sort of petrified that we had to put a bunch of money on the line mm-hmm. and borrow from people so we could pay that bill. And fortunately, it all came back to us. Yeah. and And then how did it evolve over time? Did you... Did it just grow kind of exponentially every year from there? Did I mean, I assume at some point, you know, you got involved with sponsors and, um, you know. Yeah, so that that second, the first one, we just had some people that put things in bags, some small sponsorships. And the second one, we actually had like a, a main sponsor, which was Fat Wallet. So it was sort of funny that the, the main sponsor there was an affiliate at the time. And then um, when we, our next one was in Vegas in uh, 2005. It was June 2005, so it was a full year since we'd been on the cruise ship. Mm-hmm. And we, um, we didn't really know anything about Vegas. I'd never even been there at that point. 
And so we used a company, I forget the name of the company, but they basically they set up everything for you. They pick out a hotel. And so um, we trusted them sort of blindly, and they, they put us in the Riviera. Okay. Which, and, um, and that was just a, even, I guess now they're talking about demolishing it, but even 10 years ago it was sort of horrible. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and thankfully, there was social media wasn't really happening back then because the, as soon as I checked in, there was a, like a big plaque on the bathroom wall that told people not to flush their hypodermic needles down the toilet. <laughs> wow. And so, okay. Yeah, that, so, that probably wouldn't have made for good Twitter or Facebook posting, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that was, that was our first time that we actually had a, an exhibit hall and, um, and actually more than one track of, of classes going on because we had some space there. Okay. And so we, in our exhibit hall at the time... I think we had 12 companies there exhibiting, and um, and so it was a, a tiny spot you could breeze through there in five minutes. Yeah. And so, um, but that one we we jumped up to I think about 550 people. Okay. For that, and then um, and then we just from then on we just kept getting bigger. Yeah, interesting. So one of the things that that I was curious about your your thoughts about is that it seems like at least today in Affiliate Summit, and this is just um, an opinion. It, there is like a couple different crowds at Affiliate Summit. You have some who, you have like the CPA networks and you have the people that are really involved in those. Um, and then you have some people that are, I guess, more corporate or, you know, they run actual like businesses. Um, and then you have people who are, say, into like blogging, social media. Um, so how do the, how do all those groups come together for Affiliate Summit? Do you think that it's really segregated like that, or do you just think that that's basically the way our industry is? There's just these little pockets of specific groups. Yeah, I guess there's there are those two big groups, or the like the lead based people, and then the people that are looking for revenue share. Mm. But then I guess there's also sort of a, a third smaller group that's the info marketers that focus on like ClickBank, mm -hmm. and um, but they're really a minority compared to the other two. Yeah. And so like when we we have people filling out their registration. So if, I was just looking at the numbers now for our past show in Vegas. And, um, and a lot of people, I guess, just based on who exhibits in the exhibit hall, they have the impression that it's a lot more based on CPA. But it's actually, um, when we look at the numbers, 42% of the people are um, based on lead generation. And then the for people that are focused on sales of products and services, that's 56%, and then a couple percent for the info people. Wow. So that's actually pretty pretty small do you think it maybe it just seems bigger than that to me because i'm more involved in that side but do you think it's those people put on more parties outside the show and stuff like that or yeah it seems like with, because with the exception of share sale yeah almost every party is sort of um the lead gen crowd mm -hmm. and but the um the people that are focused on the, the rev share stuff like amazon or apple or whatever I wouldn't really say that they're corporate, except for maybe the people that are representing those companies. Mm -hmm. they're, they're a lot of just um, ragtag affiliates that have been doing it for a while. I've always been focused probably 95% on revenue share, mm -hmm. and, and I'm definitely not corporate. I wear T-shirt and shorts every day. And... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How has that changed over the years? So say from the first affiliate summit to now, how have those groups changed? Have it, has it always been kind of that distribution, do you think, or have some been more popular at certain times? Um, we didn't start asking until a few years ago. I would say probably um, it's shifted more heavily towards revenue share more recently because we've done a lot of outreach to bring in bloggers and different people. Mm -hmm. But um, I would say 
five or seven years ago, it was probably heavier with the lead gen people. Yeah, yeah, more money in the in that side of the industry and. Stuff yeah, but then like I guess. Yeah, over time there'd be different opportunities would collapse and things and the. Yeah. And one thing that I've never been able to wrap my head around is the, the fact that there are just a, a never-ending number of companies that are CPA networks <laughs> that come there and exhibit, yeah. and they, and we usually see probably a dozen that had a booth disappear before the next show. Oh yeah, yeah. And and that that actually led to one of our financial strategies years ago where we made everybody pay in advance because mm-hmm. because it's not that unusual that we see probably one to three networks disappear after they paid for their booth. Really? Wow. And so we, um, a couple, when we were a few shows into it, we were getting burned when people would just canceled the last second because they were just going under. Uh-huh. So now, so now at least we have the opportunity to, to get that booth sold and then resold in some cases. That's probably a smart strategy. I'm imagining you don't see that as much with say like the rev share companies or other types of info stuff or. Yeah, but they, they have their own challenges too. Cause they, yeah. a lot of times if they're, Huge corporations like like Lancashire and Commission Junction are both owned by these other gigantic companies, mm-hmm. and so they're always looking to to pay far in the distance, like thirty, sixty days, and we're always like battling with them, trying to get them to pay quicker. Mm-hmm. We know we know they're good for it, but we want to have that operating capital. Sure, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I I imagine being in your position, you've been able to see a lot of stuff in the industry and how it's changed and evolved over the years. Because I mean, you're you know, you're basically the affiliate conference. I mean, there's affiliates go to other stuff like LeedsCon and AdTech, I guess, but Affiliate Summit's really seems to be the main one. Yeah. yeah it's funny because the, with the different segments of people, some of them think that we, that like the other shows, we should almost like, like we got a message from a guy, I guess the last AdTech in New York, and he's complaining that our newsletter dropped during that show. And he was saying we should have scheduled it around AdTech. But um, but the people that go to Affiliate Summit are going to ten different shows. They're also going to all the like the CJ and the Linkshare show and and Share a Sale and different blogging shows and NMX the blogging mm-hmm. podcasting show. So if we were to change our schedule for our newsletter for every event that was going on, we'd constantly be screwing people up with our schedule, and it's it's all automated. So we're not it doesn't really make sense for us to and this person could certainly time shift and read the newsletter when they wanted to or just delete it. Sure. And in our newsletter is, is like a five-minute read, so I don't think it's that big of a burden no matter what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting. So you talked about this a little bit, but what are some of the other challenges you had with or currently have with setting up the conference or getting Affiliate Summit you know, going? I imagine it's a ton of work um, that goes into putting the show on. Yes, we've had a lot of people over the years that ask us what we do in between the conferences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they think that we managed <laughs> to set it up five days before. Yeah. But um, but each one is like a, a whole year in advance that we're working on it. So we're we're trying to get the contract signed now for the next Vegas one, and then we'll be deep in working on that. And we're doing all kinds of stuff right now for New York, and that's five months out. Mm-hmm. And then we've got our our magazine feed front that goes out four times a year, and um, and then we do some smaller shows. We're looking at maybe. This May doing something in Fort Lauderdale and looking at some other cities for a, our smaller brand performance marketing summit uh-huh. that we last year we did that in Austin, Salt Lake City, and Denver. And so um, we're just trying to hit some cities that we don't hit with the bigger shows. But so we um, we have a very small team and, and a lot of things going on there. So we just have Missy and 
and me working full-time and then one full-timer and two part-timers and we're hiring a person but we we have a, a pretty small team here and then just hire an army when we get to whatever city we're in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i imagine it's a lot of um yeah like you say a lot of planning and um getting money from sponsors and different things that go on throughout the year it's not just yeah like you say set it up in five days and you're off and running yeah one nice relief this time around for the cycle for new york is that we still with five months to go we've sold out for the exhibit hall in the meat market so that takes some load off there that we can concentrate on other things mm-hmm. yeah so uh, i asked you this before but i'll i'll phrase it a little different way maybe we can talk about since the first affiliate summit what are some of the major changes you've seen just overall in the industry, not necessarily just with affiliate summit, but just, you know, in the Sean Collins seat with organizing the conferences and just, you know, where you are in the industry, like trends and stuff you've seen, like shift to focus, stuff like that. Well, I guess um, one substantial thing is that it's become a lot more accessible. Like when I got into it in the nineties, I was sort of forced to learn HTML back then because there, I don't think front page was even in existence, and <laughs> and and I I just had to figure out a way to make these sites all of a sudden. And my first site was very primitive; it was actually on Amazon and like their HTML maker, or not Amazon and AOL. But um, but then but after I think WordPress really revolutionized it and make it made it so much more easy to get into it. Yeah. And so I think between WordPress and and companies like Aweber and GetResponse for emailing, they made it almost turnkey for anybody to walk into it. Mm-hmm. And and then there used to be like such a big barrier to entry, um, I guess, 10 or more years ago to start up a network. But then then I guess some, um, what's the one network direct right. and, um, and some of the, like those guys and I, I forget the direct track, I guess that was maybe the first yeah. product. Yeah. And then has that, offers um, and the Alvas. Yeah. And I guess those guys are a little bit more recent, but, but all of a sudden people just with a couple bucks could just go there and start a network. Sure. And it, I guess um, it was nice because it, it made it possible to have more, more options and more opportunities. But, but then also it brought a bunch of people in there that were sort of clueless and they, they came and went in five months because mm-hmm. they, they tried to get too risky too fast and, and got blown out of the water. Yeah, sure. So I guess um, – but, it, but it's, I think it's been um, great just to see even though with, the, with it being easier to – a lower threshold to get into – then it also creates a lot of garbage too. Like in, for 10 years, I was managing affiliate programs and there would just be such a, a flood of affiliates that you had to review and so many of them were just so useless that mm-hmm. they would never possibly make a nickel with you. Sure. But, but you had to spend so much of the day just trying to filter through all the junk to find the good ones. Mm-hmm. And that was, and I guess back in my, my early days as an affiliate manager, pretty much 90% of the people that would apply were pretty qualified to be good affiliates. Yeah. But today, yeah, like you say, the barrier of entry is, I mean, you don't even need much money to get started as an affiliate. Like you say, WordPress is free and yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and then there's some of those sites like from Wix or different things where sure. people just like WordPress is too complicated for them. <laughs> yeah. That, they're just really polluting the, the whole ecosystem. Sure. Yeah. So do you, you see those people not usually last too long and then they're just replaced by other people, I mean, I imagine that's kind of a constantly churning pool of people. Yeah. Yeah, I guess some people just, and that's one of the problems that they, I, probably the biggest problem with people 
that don't ever succeed is they're impatient and they just hear all these success stories and they want to jump in there and make money right away. Mm-hmm. And they don't, they don't get the F to build a list or build an audience and, and put in a lot of time to make it happen unless you're doing paid search. Yeah, sure. Or buying lists. But otherwise, if you want to actually build a brand, it, it takes a lot of work and there aren't really overnight successes, even though some people try to sell themselves that way. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. A lot of people aren't prepared for the amount of work it takes or the amount of often boring, you know, work it takes. It's not very glamorous. Um, you know, yeah. a lot of things aren't very, but yeah. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, people see these pictures of people wearing a Rolex in front of a, Fer- a Ferrari or something. <laughs> yeah. They Ferrari. Up. Yeah. Yeah. They, they drove their Toyota Tercel over to the country club and took a picture. <laughs> right. <laughs> So what are some areas of opportunity you think uh, for like 2015 and beyond? Like what do you think are some good areas for affiliates to get into or at least start looking at if, you know, they really want to like grow their business and actually, you know, I emphasize that word business, not just, you know, like run offers to affiliate networks and, you know, do affiliate arbitrage, but actually like grow something that would be of value and um, would last. Well, I think the one thing that a lot of affiliates, at least the ones I'm, I'm watching on the, the RevShare side, are dropping the ball on is adapting to mobile. Mm-hmm. They're still so focused on browsers, and you can just see from the changing complexion of the exhibit hall at Affiliate Summit that it's it's gone almost, not really overnight, but over the last few years, it's been a huge shift where there are a lot of mobile exclusive companies for networks. Sure. Yep. And so anybody that's not playing there, I think is they're going to be ancient soon. Mm-hmm. And just the different generations of people. I think um, like I've got four kids, and and they're only on their devices. They don't use even a laptop or a desktop in my house. Yeah. It, and there's on their they'd rather look at a site on their phone or on their iPad. And so anybody that's not gearing towards that group is going to lose out. That's yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. So besides mobile, are there any um, niches or? Um, I, don't know. Well, I think that um, the one area that that every retail affiliate program seems to be going nuts for is the bloggers. So I guess it's that's sort of a grind to get a, a brand going there. But if you do that, the all of the retailers have fallen over themselves to have a blogger that I guess just has can appeal to whatever audience. If it's like new moms or mm-hmm. or people that are weightlifters, whatever niche that they're they're into. There, I guess there's not. It's a pretty fluid thing. Which, what's the best niche? And I guess if you want to just go deeper and deeper to dominate one, then you could just maybe focus on whatever's really interesting to you. And that's as an affiliate myself, that was a big stumbling block. I, I tried to chase trends for many years, uh, create these sites, and they're very robust and they're targeting some great niche. But then I, after I did a lot of the legwork, that I realized that it was so boring to me that I just couldn't stick with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so while while it can be very lucrative to be a mercenary, I would I encourage people usually to focus on some kind of topic or area that they're really into. So, kind of more setting up um, an authority type site, authority yeah. blog, yeah, yeah. Like one thing that I set up, and it's um, it's a a slow burn, and, and you're not going to get rich overnight or or even ever, maybe. But with like a, an authority site like that, like I created a a site called extramoneyanswer.com where I take people that are totally clueless to all the steps, even from like connecting their domain to their hosting mm-hmm. and then how to just come up with content ideas and, and just make some steady content and steady money as a blogger. Interesting. So you said some of the, um, 
rev share companies or other types of companies like that are really looking for um, bloggers in that niche or, or people that have authority sites? Are they actively seeking them out or how does that usually work? Yeah, they've, um, our feedback for years has been that, that a lot of the exhibitors wanted to see more bloggers. So we've been just bringing them in and in a, a big way, just a, a big influx of them. And so I think this past time in Vegas was our, our biggest one by far for, we just had um, probably 500 or so that were blogger exclusive, a lot of mommy bloggers, or I guess the, they like to just be called women bloggers now or whatever. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I don't know, like a, they were going around sort of in packs, so they're sort of hard to miss in the exhibit hall in different areas. Yeah. So the merchants are seeing them as a really good opportunity just because, <clears throat> is it because of the authority that, they have with their blogs and that like people follow them. Yeah. They, I guess it's, um, I'm not sure how well they can ever scale, but they, <laughs> they have just a fanatical following yeah. for their, their sites. So if they only have 500 regular readers, they're responding to them and buying through them. So they, so the retail sites or the affiliate programs just love what they're getting from them. Yeah. Some stuff like, like that, if you have a fanatical following, you don't need many readers at all. I've seen people do crazy things with just, you know, small few hundred people lists or, you know, smaller following and yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah I guess also the, one other thing that we, um, two groups that we've done a lot of outreach over the years that we've brought in that, that sort of, um, made the, the overall attendees more well-rounded is we now brought in a lot more people that are focused on social and SEO. Uh huh. And so then you can see that if you look at the content, it's, it's fairly heavy on search and social. Okay. And is that cause uh, that's what affiliates want to learn or just to like balance the conference out more? Yeah, I guess the, um, even though we've have affiliate in the name, so much of the content is other types of marketing just because affiliates are using all these different areas sure. with, they're using email and, and mobile and, and search and social and everything. Mm -hmm. So we, we wanted to cover everything that people were focused on. And like when, um, one of the things we ask in our registration process is, is what kind of marketing methods people are using. And, um, and like looking at now, I see that 43% said email for the last conference and hmm. like 26 said SEO, 35 pay-per-click, 32 for social media. So we want to have diverse content that reflects what kind of people are coming. Yeah. What percent of people are saying, are saying mobile? Do you have that? Um, let me see. That's 36. 36. Okay. And, so good and, and actually yeah, the highest group of all is display advertising at 51. Oh, hmm. okay. So I guess a lot of people are just, they're checking off multiple things there. Yeah, probably. And, um, but 26% uh, are into blogging and content marketing. So pretty evenly distributed. I mean, there's not one that's, that's super low. It doesn't sound like. Yeah. The, the one that, that is low that barely anybody picked 6% said offline with direct mail, radio and TV. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's not as popular, although it can still be really effective, but I guess it's a yeah. little, little bigger barrier to entry with that. Maybe not as much, not as many resources out there about it or how to go about it. Yeah. But one thing with that though, is that in the years that I was managing affiliate programs, I would recruit with postcards doing direct mail and they were always hugely effective because nobody else is doing it. Mm -hmm. So, so definitely I would recommend people just test the waters there because offline is so untapped with people that are so hyper-focused on online. Yeah, that's true. I've seen people even do well just promoting regular affiliate offers with offline stuff, you know, going to wherever and dropping off 
postcards, just even linking to their site. Um, it seems like people have success with that. So, yeah, it makes sense. And and way back, like when I was working at the company Club Mom, and obviously had like the mom audience, I would get coloring pages and I would give them their unique URLs that would be redirected, so they just had their name on them, mm -hmm. their their site name, and and so I'd encourage them to feature these coloring pages in their site and give them out. And that was a even though like we had like um at the time tens of thousands or over a hundred thousand affiliates I think, and so um you might get five leads through coloring pages per month per affiliate, but we had so many of them doing it that it was one of our our biggest influx of, of leads coming in leads coloring pages offline, which would really? seem like a silly thing, <laughs> but I guess you get these moms that they pin it up on their fridge with with some little duck with a a fireman hat or something on it and it says club mom, <laughs> yeah. and they they go to that link. No, I mean, that makes sense, and you did, I, that's the first I've ever heard of someone doing that, so it's, it, I can see why that would stand out. And yeah, so yeah, I guess there's a million ways you could figure out some way to to push, like, I guess something very basic that you see any day in a, in a mall is just putting postcards on every windshield, mm -hmm. but a lot of different ways you could work offline and test it out, and yeah. it's pretty cheap. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it doesn't cost that much to print up some stuff, a little more legwork, but again, you could hire someone to do a lot of that stuff if you wanted. Yeah, for sure. What about with the lead gen side of things? Um, have you seen any, do you see any coming trends or any niches or areas of focus that people are, are into? I mean, there's always like the basics, like, you know, car insurance and life insurance and those kind of things, but, um, have you seen anything really different going on in that space? Yeah, I guess I'm a little bit walled off from there since I don't promote that stuff myself. So I um I don't really have a good feel for what's what's coming up there and what's hot. Yeah, I guess it's always kind of kind of the same. There's you know the you have the basics like I said, and then there's always a few little pockets here and there of different things. But that that area since always kind of stay mostly the same as far as niches. Yeah, yeah. I guess the that was one of the strengths early on with Affiliate Summit for reaching the audiences. So I I had the reach with the the rev share retail people, and then. My partner Missy came from the CPA side, mm -hmm. and she was working for CPA Empire back then, which was, oh, yeah. went through a bunch of different names over the years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think I remember, remember that. Yeah. Well, this has been really great. I don't want to keep you. I know you're you're busy, but I imagine everyone knows where to find you. But take a minute and tell everybody where they can find more info about Affiliate Summit and Feedfront and the other stuff that you have going on. All right. Yeah. So just write it at affiliatesummit.com for the latest information on the conferences. And then we have a, an opt-in right there if you want to get our newsletter to see any kind of news about what's happening. And if you are into Twitter or Facebook, it's just both slash Affiliate Summit for each of those. And then for me personally, you can reach me on Twitter at Affiliate Tip or on Facebook slash Sean Collins, S-H-A-W-N Collins. Or just if you wanted to email me, just Sean, S-H-A-W-N at AffiliateSummit.com. Cool. And I'll put those uh, links in the show notes too, so people don't have to scribble them down. All right. Excellent. Thanks for listening to the AF Playbook podcast. If you want to learn more about online marketing, visit my blog at afplaybook.com forward slash blog. That's also the place to get show notes for this and other episodes of the AF Playbook podcast. If you're interested in joining the discussion on the AF Playbook forums, visit afplaybook.com to learn more. Thank you again for listening and I'll catch you next time.